Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Evan Smith. And I'm Jeff Sims. Welcome to this episode 27. Number 27, baby! I was really hoping you were going to do that this time. I was 100% going to do it. I'm going to continue to do it until the end of time. I wish that were an untrue. <laughs> <laughs> There's it's, lots of things that I wish are untrue. It's gotten to the that point is not where one now of them. it hurts me. But it's it's the all too familiar. So like, have you ever like, so when we go to bed, we watch like Friends. We watch How I Met Your Mother. We watch, yes. we just finished Modern Family. So yeah. we go back. Do you know why? For the familiarity. For the sacredness. But that's sacredness. what the, the intro is for me. Right? I feel like now it makes the intro go on too long. But it's okay because it's welcoming. It's inviting. 2020 has been a terrible year. And it's Your justification for being able to say episode blank, blank, baby, is that 2020 has been rough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but all right but if you need it that bad i'll let you have it but speaking of 2020 and yeah. being the worst year to date yes um we have just had the biggest tsn turning point biden harris biden harris mm-mm, biden harris you are the president you are the vice president first female first black first indian woman and the vice president to be elect oldest president ever oldest man but it's very exciting because I actually think this is the TSN turning point that we've needed to get us through the end of this monstrosity, which is 2020. Well, and then to, to, I know, Alex Trebek. No, but that's not what I was going to say. Oh, but also, yes, yeah, really sad. Alex really Trebek. sad. Another casualty. I was going to say, you know, he's not president right yet. The no. next two months are going to be garbage. But no, but what I'm trying to tell you is that their inauguration will be yes. the, the turning no point. No matter what. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. There and we, will be and light. We have, we have a date for when that tunnel ends. Exactly, yes. So that's nice. Yeah. It, uh, it's perfectly described. I saw a meme, and I think I sent it to you. Uh, and it showed uh, this, this like, it was just a person, and, and, and they were supposed to be an angel. Right. And the, uh, the meme said, okay, um, God says to the angel, oh, so did you rearrange all of the events to happen in the 2020s? And the angel said, whoa, 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 whoa wait. You mean 2020? And God said, hold up. Did you do 10 years of events within one year? And then it just showed this blank face of the angel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Valid. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. But it's time to turn it around. And we're doing okay, Jeff. I'm happy. I mean, it's, yeah. We're doing... I, you and I are doing fine. We are. We're, we're fortunate. We're happy. We, yep. Healthy. We, healthy. We started the podcast... At the beginning of the, the horrible, the, you know, when 2020 took a dive. Yeah. That's when we started. Yep. And we'll end it when things turn around. No. No, not. we won't. No. 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 Things won't turn around until the podcast ends. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast was the problem the, podcast the whole time. The problem, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. no. Funny. Okay, I have a correction speaking of politics. Oh, please. So last week I did the U.S. government and election. I really hope you weren't lying on any... Not lying, but incorrect. Oh, God. You know that I was. I just told you there's a correction. So more than once I said, no, 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 Jeff. There are only two parties. What aren't you understanding? That was a bold-faced lie. Good. I mean, it wasn't because I didn't know... It it wasn't a lie because there's no intent to lie. Correct. Yes. There are numerous other political parties, I, but like I none of them matter, even as much as the Green Party in Canada. No, like they're all independent. Very well, no. There's actually independence, but there's also a bunch of other parties. Wow, none of them matter. 
No. So running for the Green Party, they do have a Green Party, was Howie Hawkins and Angela Nicole Walker as his running mate. So they were like presidential nominees. Interesting. Running for the Libertarian Party was Joe Jorgensen. No, George Jorgensen. Yep. Have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother? No. They make a joke about George Jorgensen's organs. No, not George. Joe. Oh. Joe Jorgensen. George Jorgensen's (laughs) organs and sons or something. They make it. Anyways. Anyway, guess who Joe's running mate was? George Jorgensen. (laughs) Entrepreneur and podcaster Spike Cohen. Oh. Don't know who he is, but that was his description on the presidential website. Wow. Wow. Uh, so those are the only notable candidates, meaning that they define notable as meaning they appear on enough state ballots to possibly win a majority. Okay, but what about young Con- Kanye West? Uh, Kanye West actually appeared on ballots. Yep. So there were seven other candidates who ran on five ballots or more. Yep. Like they can't win, possibly win. No. Nope. They ran on five ballots or more, and even more than that who appeared on two or more ballots. Yes. The other smart, smaller parties include the Alliance Party. Party for Socialism and Liberation, Constitution Party, American Solidarity Party, Socialist Workers Party, oh. Unity Party, Grumpy Old Patriots. You stop. Yep. Genealogy Know Your Family History Party. Also, Boiling Frog. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here are some crazy facts about all these different parties. Joe Jorgensen actually received 1.1% of the votes. That's 1,670,000 people. Joy! Joe! Her name is Joe. It's not George. It's not Joy. Her name is Joe. J-O. Anyway, she received one, like, one and a half million votes. That's shocking. Isn't it? (laughs) Kanye West made it on some tickets. He received 62,000 votes. That's very surprising in the other direction. Yep. Over 2 million people in the country voted for candidates who were not Joe Biden or Donald Trump. What percentage one more time? Over 2 million. Wow. Uh, and that's fine. Like, it's your right to vote yep. for who you want. And yep. if they're on the ticket, you can check them off. Yep. But like 135 votes for Boiling Frog and 127 votes votes for Bull Moose just seem like a waste of time. It does, but I'm so happy. Bull Moose. Bull Moose. Not ah. like two people yep. have a party called Bull Moose yep. and they and, ran for president. And all of their family members voted for them. All yeah. 137 of all them. All 127 sisters 27. and cousins mm. and parents Sister who were all cousins. actually the same people Yeah, <laughs> voted for them. Anyway. That brings me joy in a different capacity. That brings you Joe Jorgensen. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um I have a couple of corrections from the last couple of episodes I'll okay, jump in, too. Okay, sure. Uh, jur- I feel like there should be a, um, what's the term when you can't get tried for a crime once a certain period of time has passed? I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I feel like there should be that yeah, for the that podcast. Once, like once we get once past so badly, past- you can't cry this anymore. No, no, that is law Statute now. of limitations. There we go. Look yep. at you go. Thank you. Um, so, Tanzania. Yes. We once disputed on whether or not it was a real place. It's yes. in East Africa. You told me that it was. Did you, I? Yeah, you were confident that it was. I was the one who questioned it. Yeah. You, you were like, no, I knew it's it a was country. a place, but yeah. like at the time afterwards, you were like, is it? And I was like, I'm not sure. Oh, no, I thought you were adamant about it. No, East uh, Africa. Okay. Uh, one thing that I'm completely disappointed in myself with not correcting earlier yeah. was me calling in Harry Potter the two twins. I called them the Callows. Didn't we already hit this? I don't think I talked about it. I think we passed it. Oh. Because we had, we didn't start the fire the second part. Right. And then we had last week's episode. We dove right in. We didn't mm, actually do any okay. corrections. Right. They're the Caros. Yeah. And I just went full, full on the Callows. I didn't correct you. No, but I listened to the episode and started crying. 
on my stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to take a quick second and apologize for shaming you for giving $20 to somebody. <laughs> I rem- when we listened back to the episode, when we went back, I, I when we were doing like our revision edits and stuff and re-listens, yeah. and I listened to the episode afterwards, yeah. I was like, I'm an asshole. Even if that person was using it for the worst kinds of instances. Well, yes. You were the best kind of person that you could have been. You gave to somebody who was less... Uh, who had less than you. Yes. Doesn't matter why you got that money. Doesn't matter what it was. Yes. You gave to somebody, and right. I shamed you for it. I had no business doing that. Well, that's very nice of you. Um, I mean, the $20 felt like a lot. Like, I'm not somebody who can just dole out $20 bills. No. But the so, fact is, you did. But I did, because I had committed myself to the situation. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a problem. Like, I once went on Facebook and said something about, like, the people who stand around the corners and just, like ask for money or whatever, and then the, they were standing there smoking. And I made a Facebook status about, Uh-oh. I know, don't do it. But anyway, I did. But I was glad that I did. Even though I got really shit on, yep. I learned a lot from what people, like educated people yeah, told me. And I was absolutely. Like, and I was like, you know, how can you stand there asking for like, you know, any change yep. and food or whatever, or, but you're standing there. And then there buy a $10, $10 pack of cigarettes. Right. Yep. Less yep. like, well, we can't, you know, addiction is the problem. Exactly. That's yes. why they're on the corner. Mental illness and addiction exactly. is, is the defining So it's moments. like, yes. that's why they're on the corner with cigarettes and not with a sandwich. No, and also, in the episode, I just made a big, massive assumption that that man just took that $20 and ran away and bought drugs with it. The reality is, is that, or not the reality, but what neither one of us could possibly assume is that he took that $20 and he could have went and fed his family. Or bought drugs. But if he bought drugs, it's because of the, mental the illness addiction. or addiction. Exactly. Which is also like, we can't solve that. And no. if me, if, if no. giving him the $20 that he went to buy heroin with or whatever, sure. got him through a week of life, it sucks that it was the heroin that got him through. But it might be in week two of the next two weeks, he now finds the way to get out of that cycle. Yes, I think, right? I, I mean, we should never ever promote giving people money to then actively go buy drugs. No, that's not what I'm saying. But but I think it's, there are people who are less fortunate than us. Yeah. We should celebrate the moments when we are doing that. Regardless yes. what they decide to do with it afterwards, we should celebrate the moments of when we are doing what we can for other people. Exactly. So I'm sorry for shaming you. It's okay. I cool. appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and lastly... Um, the meme that we talked about in last last week's episode of make good choices. Yes, yes, it's not from meme. No, meme, it's from Freaky Friday. It's from Freaky Friday. Yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, big shout yeah, out to Jamie Lee Curtis is not in Freaky. In, in, no, no, she's in no. Freaky Friday. So yeah. Catherine told to me right out the gate, and I was like, "Thank you very much." And she was like, "You're welcome." The Venn diagram of that situation though is Lindsay Lohan. She's right down the middle. She's in both. That's why you were confused. Oh yeah, the yeah. associative mind. Yeah. So I'm not that stupid after all. No, let's not say that, but. Yeah, well, let's not well, get ahead of ourselves. So we have a, an interesting... Um, I have been excited about this episode for a while. So I forgot that I sort of wanted to do this on the podcast. So I'm doing Grace Kelly and the Order of the Solar Temple. <laughs> right? Yeah. So on one of my favorite podcasts, which I've talked about before, My Favorite Murder. <laughs> what is it? Is it The Good Place or My Favorite Murder? Which one's everyone going to talk about now? <laughs> One of them. But anyway, or the West Wing Weekly. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> anyway, um, so they do, an, uh, Karen on that podcast does an episode of her topic is Grace. They have a very similar layout to us. Yes. And her topic that Which week. Which they stole from us, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Her topic that week is um, Grace Kelly and her death. Yep. And uh, I remember listening to me like, this is crazy. <laughs> so 
as I was going through this, I couldn't find some of the stuff that I, I remembered from the episode. I was like, I don't have time to go back and listen. No. But then I remembered at one point during their episode, like they're on episode like 100 or something, and they bring up during their, uh, now they're on like 250 or something. Imagine. But when they were on 100, they were talking about like somebody had started transcribing their episodes for the hearing impaired. So oh. that people who wanted to listen to the podcast who couldn't could go on and read the transcripts. And somebody, had, they just volunteer and do that. So I was like, I can go on the transcripts right now and read what Karen said without having to go back and listen to the whole thing because I just was fi- trying to find one spot. Sure. Anyway, that's what I did. So some of this um, I legitimately stole from Karen on that podcast. Cool. It's really cool. So Grace Kelly, as you recall, was one of the topics in We Didn't Set the Fire. Yes. Um, she was. I anxious. try to be like Grace Kelly. Yes. I really wanted to play that song, but we can't play music. My um, looks for too sad. I can be I can be blue I can be so good my so sister good. was obsessed with that song I was like eh, and I heard it I was like oh, it's everything it's a great song don't know who is no. it by uh, Mika I don't know who that is do they have another song that people know yep many uh, probably like three or four because three or four more than we got well, I know uh, I know them yeah okay uh, so Grace Kelly was born on November 12th. What's the date today? Uh, November the 8th. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Actually, hold on. This episode will launch on the 12th. You shut up. You know, I'm not Thursday's the 12th. She was born 1929, which would make her 91 One. years old. Wow. So on, on Grace Kelly's 91st birthday, you're listening to this. She's born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yep. yep. And they've been counting the votes for 2020 election there ever since. I <laughs> <laughs> just about to. Well done. Uh, her father, Jack Kelly, was a champion sculler who won three Olympic gold medals as part of the U.S. rowing team. So a sculler, S S C U L L E R, sculler, Schuler. I'm not sure. No. Anyway, it's the difference between a sculler and a rower is the difference between two oars and one. A rower has one oar. A sculler has both. Okay. That's the difference. Yeah, so similar to the boats during uh, Cleopatra's reign in Egypt, whether or not they had two levels or three levels for the rowers. Sure. But no, the rowers only have one (laughs) oar each, so it's not the same. I'm just being a jerk. Okay. As Uh, were you, Imagine in those ships, they're like 60 feet wide and you're holding two oars. (laughs) They're like 170 (laughs) feet long each. The other one is just in the middle of the boat, just (laughs) scraping the ground. Smacking Dave in the head over and over. (laughs) You're a rower, not a sculler. Uh, anyway, he won three Olympic gold medals. Her father, Jack, was a self-made millionaire. He he owned Jack a- was every. <laughs> oh, God, we are no, not going no, to have it. Yeah, no. Uh, he owned one of the most successful brick businesses on the East Coast. Imagine Jack's biceps and triceps. Honestly. He was a bricklayer. Yep. and a sculler, an Olympic rower. Yeah. It was he, Popeye. Yeah. yeah God. <laughs> if he was wearing like a button-up shirt and he had his sleeves rolled up, he'd like flex and the button popped off and killed you. Um, her mother, Margaret Major, was the first coach of women's <laughs> athletic teams at the University of Pennsylvania. It's a very athletic family. Absolutely. Um, great arms. Great arms in that family. Absolutely. <laughs> As a child, Grace was always into performing. She would partake in school plays, community productions, like you, Jeff. And push-up contests. And occasionally modeled with her mother and sister. Like, like you, you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although the family was quite into sports, the arts were also important. 
She had one uncle who was a vaudevillian performer Ooh. and another, George Kelly, a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Go on. So go on, George. I looked up his plays. We don't know any of them. No, of course But he not. won a Pulitzer. It was Uncle George who encouraged Grace to pursue a full-time acting career. After high school, Grace decided to pursue acting in NYC. Her parents were displeased. Mm. Apparently, her father said that acting was a slim cut above a streetwalker. <laughs> Say she sh- she should take up a career in arm wrestling. <laughs> it's like thanks, Jack. There goes my self worth. Yeah, a cut above a streetwalker. She was accepted to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and helped pay for it by modeling part-time, appearing in ads for old gold cigarettes and on the covers of Cosmopolitan and Red Book because hmm. she was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. After graduating at the age of 19, she sought a career on the Great White Way. But due to her striking great looks and style, she was found to be better suited for Hollywood. Oh, And she was cool with that. Aside from a few roles on Broadway, she would go on to star in 11 films and 60 television productions. Go on. She was in many more than that, but those were the ones she was like, Grace Kelly starring in. Yeah. She was in some stuff before she was famous. Sure. Mogambo was the turning point in her career. In this film, she was nominated for her first Academy Award and won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress at the age of 23. Okay. That's pretty young. After that, she took a seven-year contract with MGM under the condition she could live in Manhattan every second year to pursue stage work, which is a great deal. That's a Well, I mean, it's not a great deal when they say you can only live there every second year to do stage work because no, no like company should say you can't live here or there. Well, MGM is in Hollywood, so if you're doing movies, you can't live in New York. No, but like, how many actors are on retainer through major... Like at that time, I would say a okay. Load. At that time, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in 1954, she teamed up with her soon-to-be friend and mentor Alfred Hitchcock, Ooh. starring in Rear Window, Dial M for Murder, mm. and To Catch a Thief. That same year, she starred in The Country Girl with mm. Bing Crosby. Was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress, and this time she won. Of course, beating out none other than. The one and only Judy Garland. You stop it. Yep, she beat her. Judy Garland mm. was nominated for um, The Star is Born. Um, in 1955, Grace Kelly was one of the highest paid and most respected actresses in the world. Wow. She is 25 at this time. Mm-hmm. So she, similar to you and I. Yeah. yeah. She was asked to join the United States Delegation Committee at the Keynes Film Festival in France. Which is foreshadowing. Which is further away than New York City. So. Yes. Hmm. So MGM was displeased. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, she's breaching contract. That, no, she was allowed to go for a weekend or whatever during a photo <laughs> shoot. It was, for it was May too far. We're in sync tonight, aren't we? During a photo shoot, she met Prince Renier the Third of Monaco, hmm. who just so happened to be looking for a bride. And if he didn't produce an heir... I mean, aren't we all? Aren't just, we all? If he didn't produce an heir, Monaco would become part of France because they had, like, the the nobility had to continue, which is very convenient. How stressful. Right? So I would imagine when something like this. So Princess Renier <laughs> sees Grace Kelly. He's immediately swept up in her beauty and charm. And he begins to talk loudly with someone near him. Ah, yes. You see, I am looking for a bride. <laughs> for I need to produce an heir of Monaco will be forced to join France. Sacre bleu! Je, je m'excuse. I did not see you there. Grace Kelly, you are the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. I am looking for a bride so I can produce an heir. Will you be that bride and, and make my babies? And she says, 
Why, of course. Yes. I have been looking for an opportunity to get out of this MGM contract. Absolutely. That's as far as I'm going. Okay, good. Anyway, she did say yes. And she did. After marrying Prince Renier <laughs> on April 19th, 1956, in a very public and ornate ceremony, Grace Kelly abandoned her acting career in order to become Princess of Monaco and retired at the age of 26. Uh, to be princess, she was required to give up her American citizenship. Oof. And Prince Renier banned her films in Monaco. Why? Which I guess because... Just to kind of eliminate the picture of her it. being... A, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, rather than seeing you in the films and like, oh, that's the princess. Let's keep like she, here. She's just the princess, and she was fine with it. Um, and maybe she wanted it. I don't know. The couple have apparently a fairy tale relationship. Three children: Princess Caroline, Prince Albert, and Princess Stephanie. Despite many filmmakers urging her to return to the film industry, let's not forget, is 26. She retired. She just won Best Actress. So it's like, come on, we can make a lot of money with you. Yeah. Um, despite that, she embraced her role as ceremonial leader of Monaco and became involved in many cultural and charitable organizations. Oh. The end. How Meghan Markle of her. Actually, <clears throat> that was just the prologue. Now it begins. Dun, dun, dun. September 13th, 1982. Princess Grace and her youngest daughter, Princess Stephanie, are getting... You're not listening. Don't stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> I was just creating the... No, it worked, but you're the one I'm telling this to. Oh. Yeah. Oh. We need, some, I thought we need it was a third the thousands party. of listeners. No, we need, a, we need a third party to be doing the vocal sound effects. Um, Princess Grace... <laughs> if you want to apply, please email us, info.splain at gmail.com. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Princess Grace and her youngest daughter, Princess Stephanie, are getting ready to leave the family's farm at Roch-Egel in France and make their way back to their palace in Monaco. The chauffeur pulled the car up so they could load up the car. They load up the car with some dresses and boxes they are taking with them. Princess Stephanie was going to start Parisian school on Wednesday, so there were a few extra things that needed to be brought with them in the car. By the time everything was in the car, there was no room for anybody else. The chauffeur insisted he could take Princess Grace and Stephanie and come back for the dresses. But Grace was persistent that she would drive, which is very bizarre for her. Mm-hmm. It was only a 12-minute drive, or 12-mile drive, sorry, which took about 40 minutes due to the long, winding roads on the mountainside. The car approaches, um. mm-hmm. the car approaches a sharp bend, requiring a 150-degree turn, which is a big turn, but the car doesn't turn. The car goes directly through the retaining wall and tumbles down a 120-feet slope into someone's backyard, crashing into their villa. I know, this is just the beginning, Jeff. Strap on. Nope. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> this is just the beginning, Jeff. <laughs> uh, according to a witness driving behind them, he never saw the brake lights go on. Ooh. Engineers from the car manufacturer were flown in to investigate. Did the brakes fail? Did the steering fail? No malfunctions were found. Pause. Back up the elusive truck that's going off the, the railway. Okay. Um, she obviously died in this car crash. Sure. I mean, she dies shortly after. Yes. But that okay. You you just left that out. Well, I didn't. I didn't get there yet. Well, you said they. She barreled through, and then the next sentence was: investigators came to investigate the manufacturing vehicle. Yeah. Once she's in the in the hospital. The hospital. Yeah. The ambulance. Yeah. Um, so Stephanie later remembered her mother saying she had a headache at some point during the car ride. Then it seemed that she suffered sudden pain and blacked out before the car went over the edge. And apparently she had a very stressful summer, uh, very stressful year with like all the um, royal duties she had to do and blah, 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 blah. So she, the summer she really took a break and was really sort of feeling run down. Dr. Louis Chatelain, 
of Monica, Monaco, Monaco, mm-hmm. Monica, Monica, Monaco Hospital said she suffered two strokes, one before the accident and another because of the accident. Princess Grace spent 24 hours in a coma before being taken off life support at the age of 52. Princess Stephanie suffered a hairline fracture of the vertebrae, but survived the crash. Obviously, because I just told you what Stephanie said. Um, many celebrities and notable people were present at her funeral, including Diana, Princess of Wales, Ooh. who had died nearly 15 years later in a fatal car crash under other suspicious circumstances. Ooh, new topic, maybe? I'm not sure. Definitely a new topic. I think so. So the theories start flying in. Oh, yeah. the daughter was driving and was responsible. It was a mafia hit, or an unknown assassin fixed the brakes. Nope, the brakes were fine. None of that is true, and the daughter was not driving. But the world was obsessed with her. She was a huge actress turned princess. What's not to be obsessed with? She's like a Disney character. So apparently, Grace Kelly was pretty content with her life. Royal duties raising the kids. But as the kids started to get older, she starts feeling kind of confined. Uh, Again, this is from here to the end, it's all sort of conjecture. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, this is not true. But as are all conspiracy theories. Exactly. And also, like, as is every episode of our podcast. Yes. Not, right? Not necessarily true. So Grace is looking for something new. and she <laughs> Not even, not even like, not necessarily true because no one knows the facts. Just because we also may be conscruing them. Well, yes. Also that. So Grace is looking for something new. And she finds the Order of the Solar Temple. Oh. Or in its original French, Ordre du Temple Solaire. Le Soleil. So quick background on them. They are obviously a cult. Obviously. They base their beliefs on the Knights Templar. Of so course. So fun callback. Um, the heads of this cult are Joseph de Mambro and Luc Jure, and they start in 1984. Um, the goal of the cult is to prepare members for the second coming of Christ. Yep. All apocalyptic. Sure. Right? Here's some blue Gatorade. Yeah. Drink this. Um, that's not what happened. That's not what they do. No. It's worse than drinking blue Gatorade. Um, so it, in the, um, they thought the, the apocalypse would come in the mid-90s, sure. when the sun god king would return. Um, they wanted to elevate the members of the cult to be a super group who would survive the apocalypse. Sure. Super, like super delegates. Like super delegates. Yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah. They wanted them to be on a higher spiritual plane of existence. They which, were the chosen Noahs. Yeah. 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 They would be on a higher spiritual plane of existence by being in the cult and following whatever. Sure. Uh, membership is secret and mostly just rich people. So every cult, because it's all a scam of getting people's money. Yep. So the cult became very public knowledge in 1994 when local authorities in Morin Heights, Quebec, respond to a call about a chalet that's on fire. Inside, they find former member of the Solar Temple, Tony Dutois. This is not a funny story. It's really bad, but it's really funny that his name is Tony Two Three. I was going <laughs> I was going to make the joke. A Tony, two, three, four. Um, and his wife, Nikki, and their three-month-old baby. A Tony, two, three, and Nikki, two, three. No, it's going to get really sad now. Oh. They find Tony and his oh, wife. Oh, all three of them were in the car. No, they're in a chalet that's on fire, and they're all dead. Oh, sorry. Why was I thinking they were in the car? When you said chalet, I heard car. I'm sorry. No, a chalet. Not a Chevrolet. <laughs> a chalet. <laughs> well done. Um, they also find two other adults, oh. Jerry and Colette Gino. Everybody's dead. Not from the fire. Just so happens it's also on fire for some reason. Tony's been stabbed 50 times in the back. Nikki's been stabbed six or seven times. And their baby was stabbed with a wooden stake. No. Yeah. I don't know how they know this, but I guess like classic French-Canadian police work, Jerry and Colette were sent there by Dimambro to kill the family because they were telling other members of the call that Joseph was a fraud. 
Joseph being the leader of the cult. Sure. Uh, so Joseph de Malmbro told Jerry and Collette that the, that the um, baby was the Antichrist, and they should go take care of that and also kill the whole family. And also, kill yourselves in order to get to the higher plane of existence that we've all talked about. So the two people went in, killed the family, killed, killed themselves, themselves started the fire. Out. Because the only way to get to the higher plane is, is death. Uh, death by fire. Not, or, or like not even death by fire, you can die, but then... Burning of your corpse so that you, you go up. Yeah. yeah. So then the two leaders of the cult tell the remaining cult members that the apocalypse is coming, so they orchestrate mass murder suicides at chalets across western Switzerland uh, and Quebec. Salvation must be found through fire, which is the reason Jerry and Colette set the other place on fire. 74 people partake in the murder mass suicides in 1994 and 95 in France, Switzerland, and Canada, including the two founders. What? This is, was all crazy news in the 90s. What? Isn't that? And, mo- and a lot in Quebec. So at its peak, the cult had a wealth of approximately $94 million. Right? So that's the Coles notes on the cult. So in 1997, there's two producers, David Cohen and David Carr Brown. And they hear about all the Solar Temple stuff. And this whole 1994 was when the crazy shit went down. So they want to make a documentary. Right as they're finishing up, they get a tip from an anonymous Frenchman saying that there's more to the story than they know. Turns out he was head of security for Joseph de Mambro. According to this guy, in the summer of 1982, he's working the detail outside of this priory where ritualistic practices often took place. And on this day, the priory had been decorated in cascades of white flowers, Mm. according to de Mambro, for their guest. The security guard was in shock when a white jaguar pulls up and outsteps Princess Grace of Monaco. <gasps> First, the, the princess was taken to a derobing chamber where an acupuncturist began to relax her by placing needles on meridians known to give sexual pleasure. Okay. Then Grace was given something to drink, perhaps a tranquilizer or blue Gatorade. Or blue Gatorade. At about 7 p.m., dressed in a white Templar robe with a red cross, she was escorted down an inner staircase to the crypt of the priory, where she lay on a huge round altar. As Wagnerian music rose in a crescendo, the higher entities were asked if they agreed that Grace should become high priestess of the order, to which they all responded yes. You stop it. The princess was taken back upstairs in the early hours of the morning, was driven home in the Jaguar that had brought her to the Priory. The documentarians were apparently able to corroborate this story with former members of the Solar Temple, who weren't involved in the suicides, obviously, as well as the actual acupuncturist who treated Grace Kelly at the Priory and said that her blue eyes haunted her to this day. According to the former security guard who had handled the finances as well. So obviously he's like head of security. Head, head, of, head finances. of finances. Um, Ninety-four million dollars. Yeah, sure. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we can't afford to hire on another person. No. Um, Dimambro desperately wanted Princess Grace as high priestess of the order. Imagine the members she would bring in as princess and like huge worldwide actress. Sure. Um, but of course she was asked to donate as well. She agreed to pay 12 million francs, but apparently began to have doubts when the amount of money Dimambro asked for kept increasing. When he got greedy, she threatened to expose him. He gets spooked uh, because he clearly can't afford to alienate the rest of his rich patrons. No. Just a few months later, Grace and Stephanie are driving back to the palace when their car crashes through the barrier and into the backyard of another member of the Solar Temple. Stop. Remember I told you they ran it it went down a hill into a villa? yeah, 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 yeah. That person was a member of the Solar Temple. Grace Kelly very rarely gave interviews 
But oddly enough, just two months before she died, she agreed to be interviewed by Pierre Salinger on 2020. He asked, I know it's much too early in your life to ask um, what you th- uh, ask you the question, but at some point, somebody's going to ask it to you. How are you going to want to be remembered? After a pause and hesitation, Grace Kelly said, I suppose I think mostly in terms of my children and their children, how they will remember me. I would like to be remembered as trying to do my job well and of being understanding and kind. Prince Renier never remarried and was buried next to her when he died in 2005 at the age of 81 at the Cathedral of Our Lady Immaculate, the church they had been married in. What? <laughs> yep. There's so much hanky-panky. Yep. Are I you mean, done? Ma- maybe no hanky-panky. I'm done. Okay, because I will. every single like weird conspiracy that we've talked about, yep. it's always been like, this is what happened, this yep. is what people think happened, but this is what happened. Right. This, at the end of it, we're kind of like, well, she obviously went off the road. The doctor said she had two strokes. Very plausible. Yeah. But there's a lot of moving parts there. There's a lot of moving parts. There's also this other detail that is about, like, when she when she went, when she got to the hospital, the reports to, like, the country and everybody, like, globally, yeah. was that she survived the crash and had a few broken bones. And it was like, well, why did they say that? Numerous members of the palace staff only found out she had a stroke on the news days later after she had died. Yeah, I think the whole stroke thing is the easiest explanation. Yes, not to mention the the scanner, like I don't know if it's a CT scanner, whatever they call it. Yeah, is that she would have needed like ASAP mm-hmm. wasn't at the hospital they brought her to. Ironically, they brought her to a hospital. It was the Princess Grace Hospital. Oh. And it didn't have that type of scanner. There were two other scanners in the or two other hospitals in the area that had that scanner, but they didn't take her to those. No. But they had already given her um what, like stuff that helps you go to sleep. Sedatives. Mm, yes, but not that word. And anesthesia? Anesthetics. Anesthetics. They'd already given her anesthetics so they couldn't move her. But they were so now they couldn't take her to the other places where she should have got the scan. Sure. Which I'm not, nobody, like no one, no, they, it said yeah. in the article, like, you know, maybe that would have helped, maybe it wouldn't have. Yeah. But like, it made me go like, was somebody else, in? did they purposely take her to the one that didn't have the scanner machine? Like, I don't know. Hmm. Hanky and, panky. And also like, there weren't that many members of the solar temple. At its peak, there was only 400 members globally. So the fact that she landed in the backyard of someone who was also a member. But are, is it other than like anecdotal, like someone like, oh yeah, she was there, boy. Like, was she an active member of the Solar Templar? Temple. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Says who other than just people? What, what do you mean other than just people? Like, who else could say it? Like a picture or like a document or like a, like a well, it doesn't guest say on, book? It doesn't say on their lease, Lisa Jones, Order of the Solar Temple. Like, why not? Do you sign your lease with your cult names? <laughs> yes, but thanks for exposing me. <laughs> Jeff of the Rolling Rock. <laughs> Nice. Funny. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Right? Like, it... I don't know. There's something about... I don't want to use the word, like, elite, but famous people and cults and money and fame that there's, like, a lot of hanky-panky and there's a lot of people... Now, a lot of it could just be conspiracy because but, the reality yeah. is, like, people have strokes, people die. Yes. People get into car accidents, people die. Yeah. But because you're famous yes. and because you are the center light of everything, like Princess Diana getting into a car accident, yeah. like, people well, can yeah, manufacture things around that story. She got into a car accident, 
because the paparazzi was chasing her. You yes. know this, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, but it's it's also like when you're that famous, you're living on a different plane of existence anyway. Yes. Right? Like you live a different life than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Not to mention your actual royalty. So like clearly yeah. you do. But yeah, there's, and there was some stuff too that I sort of avoided because it just felt a little bit like, I don't know. I didn't feel nice. There was a, a, a bunch of stuff like in her early acting career that like when she did a, a movie with Clark Gable or she did a movie with Bing Crosby, like she was intimate with each person like she was she was a younger woman who was always interested in older men and when she got with prince rainier he was also a significantly older man okay um so it's like there was some of that so it's like maybe she was like like she had a sexual a sexual need that needed to be met like sure. she sort of got bored in her life and then was reaching out for something and found this whole order of the solar temple they're like be the high priestess and be like the literal epitome of sexual goddess uh, for older right people yeah and sure. which like maybe is something that you'd be into because you're not feeling fulfillment in your life or whatever like but i didn't want, i didn't go with too much into that because it felt no. a little bit like gross it didn't feel like like if that's not true that feels like i'm degrading her as a woman yeah. So I didn't go there. No. and I mean, I, I've gone there now, I guess, but like... No, 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 but I think it's it's noteworthy to say that it's not worth noting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Because at the end of the day, everything I said could be bullshit. Everything. So to, to drag it into like a whole like promiscuous woman aspect felt no. like all of the other stuff could be lies. So why even bring that up? No, I think the most important part about that is that she got into a car accident. Yeah. She passed away. Her yeah. daughter survived. And also, take what's yours, honey. Yep. Honestly. No judgment. You do you. Yeah. Whatever you're into. Yep. Sure. I mean, like, Catherine's into me. <laughs> I mean, God, I guess. God but, help her. Yes. Frig. And now, a word from our sponsors. Ho, ho, ho. Now, young Tim, what can Santa get you for Christmas this year? Well, Santa... I was hoping for a new PlayStation 5 and an iPhone 12. (laughs) Well, that's a tall order, Tiny Tim, for someone whose parents could only afford one crotch. Mm. But I do have an abundance of splaining t-shirts in various sizes, styles, and logos at an affordable price. Oh, gee, mister. Do you really think I could get one? Oh, of course, Timothy. As long as you place an order before December 1st, the boys, <clears throat> elves, uh, are eager to get rid of them. It sounds like a win for everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Indeed it is. God bless us, everyone. Um, so for a completely... Uh, different change of pace. Yes. Um, so as this episode is coming out, it'll be the 12th of November. Yes. Grace Kelly's birthday. Grace Kelly's birthday. Nope. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yep. So the day before is obviously November 11th. Yes. Uh, it's a time of remembrance um, during World War One. Um, things that... Two or other... Wars. I guess all of them. Yeah. Any yeah. of the great, the great war. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, where we like to go back and remember... Yeah. Right. Keep in mind all the sacrifices, the supreme sacrifice of uh, the people that the that died during these wars in order for us to be able to live in the lifestyle <laughs> that we have today. So originally we were going to try to do some sort of a tribute towards that, but it was hard to kind of shape an episode around it. Mm-hmm. It truly was. Um, but an interesting topic that came up towards it was Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Yes. And his assassination, which began as the catalyst for the World War One. 
Because, and the reason I wanted you to do this is because it came up during the Boston Tea Party when it said the bullet heard around the world. Yes, the bullet that the this bullet, is, the shot that was heard around the yes, world. Yes, this was the other shot heard around the world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you know much about Franz Ferdinand? Literally nothing. Interesting. Other cool. than the band. Uh, yeah. Take me out. I say you don't know. I say you don't know. I I love that song. Great song. When the beat when the beat switches. Take me No, no, no. Off the very top when it does like a I don't know. It does a weird thing where the beat flips or something interesting happens with the beat at the very beginning. You must have a classical music degree, do you? <laughs> I've got a BMU's honors, but thank you for asking. <laughs> I can't remember what it is, though. No. Anyway, go on. It doesn't matter. Yes, don't hurt yourself, honey. Okay. The Archduke, Franz Ferdinand Karl Ludwig Joseph Maria. Maria? Maria. Was his surname? That's the full name. I don't think Maria was never the surname. Oh, but Ferdinand a, is the surname. Yes, but somehow, Franz Ferdinand Karl Ludwig Joseph Maria of Austria, okay. born December 18th, 1863, and died on June the 28th, 1914. Okay, Franz Ferdinand was the eldest son of Archduke Karl Ludwig of Austria, the younger brother of Emperor Franz Joseph I, which is uh, Franz Ferdinand's uncle. Emperor of Austria? Of Austria-Hungary, yeah. Okay. Uh, following the suicide of Crown Prince Rudolf in 1889 and the death of Karl Ludwig in 1896, Franz Ferdinand became the heir presumptive to the Austro-Hungarian throne. Okay. So pretty well, there's a long list of people who are going to be the king. Of Ahead Aust- of him. Exactly. They popped off. They all died. Yeah. And it's literally his uncle, who was Franz Joseph. Yeah. And that's him, Franz okay. Ferdinand. Right. Franz Joseph was older, so it was yeah. inevitable that eventually he was going to die. And Franz Ferdinand was to take the throne. Okay. So that's why he was important. Yep. On the 28th of June, 1914, Franz Ferdinand and his wife were assassinated <gasps> in Sarajevo. Sarah and his wife. Yevo, yeah. Franz Ferdinand's assassination led to the July crisis and precipitated Austria-Hungary's declaration of war against Serbia, which in turn triggered a series of events that eventually led to Austria-Hungary's allies and Serbia's allies declaring war on each other, starting... World War One. That's crazy to me that Austria, Hungary, and Serbia started World War One. Yeah, because you don't think of them as like the superpowers. Exactly. Yeah. So to further, <laughs> obviously, understand the significance of this spark and its yeah. ability to cause the First World War, we first need to understand the tensions surrounding Europe during the time. Uh, so it started around. Well, first off. It started long before anything that I'm about to talk about, and it goes on longer than anything I'm about to talk right. about. I could spend eight episodes talking about yes. the Franco-Prussian War and all what? the Ottoman Empire battles what and stuff. What does Prussian mean? Yeah, I think it's a different word for Russia. Prussian. Is it actually? Like the Persian-Russian, maybe? I'm not sure. Persian-Russian? Maybe. Okay. I made that up. Someone correct us. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it started in 1871 at the end of the Franco-German War between the French Empire and the Confederation of North Germany, allied with the German states of the South. After six months of fighting, France is defeated, and the victors unite to form the German Empire. This is where we start to establish the game of alliances. As time goes on, Germany would greatly advance its industries and economy. Hashtag World War II. Well, we're quite a ways from that. No, we're getting there. 
It also builds alliances, yeah. first with the Austro-Hungarian Empire, mm. and then with Italy, uh, who is frustrated uh, by France for colonizing Tunisia. The three of them form the Triplis, or the Triple Alliance. Okay. Okay. Wait, you when you say this? three, France, Italy, and, and Austria-Hungary. Okay, which, Germany, which is now yeah. Germany? Yeah. Well, no, no. So Austria-Hungary. Yeah. Germany. And France. Oh, France and Italy. No, no, no. Italy. Lord Dine. <laughs> Italy, Austro-Hungarian Empire, and then Germany. Not Italy. No. Okay. That took too long. And with Italy. Yep. Oh, no, okay. Yes. So it's all three then. Italy, Germany, Austria-Hungary. What about France? They're pissed at France. Oh. Italy is pissed at France. Jesus. Okay. Lord Cut all Dine. this. For Buddy. God's sakes. Oh, God. It's the triplets or the triple alliance. During the same period, France yeah. aligns itself with Russia, the Russian Empire, yeah. and signs a secret pact of non-aggression. Okay. The British fears the rise of the German army, most specifically of its navy. Britain then comes out of isolation and moves closer to France, and then to Russia. Trip, uh, together, they form the Triple Entente. Oh. Mm. So there we have uh, Britain... France, and Russia. Teamed up. Teaming up. Okay. Serbia dreams of one day uniting the South Slavic people. This project obviously appeals to Russia, who diplomatically allies itself with Serbia. So Russia is a big player. Is Serbia still a country? Yes. At Um, this time, when you say Russia, it's technically the Soviet Union, right? No, well before the Soviet Union. We're talking Russia. What do you mean well before the Soviet Union? Mm. Soviet Union is post-Russia and also Russia again later? Technically, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's Russia, Soviet Union, and then back to Russia. It may have been called something different. Like, it like it, it may have been called something like... At this time, you mean? Maybe. I see, okay. But the well, USSR, we is- the United Soviet State of Russia, okay. um, became the USSR during communism. Okay. During, like, the actual Soviet rise with Lenin, Stalin, yeah, and all yeah. that kind of okay. stuff. So... Tensions between Serbia and most of Europe throughout the Ottoman Empire and all of the associated wars continue to rage on as we lead into the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. There are probably tens of wars um, that went on between the Ottoman Empire, Serbia, right. Austria-Hungary, all the Balkan, the Baltics and stuff like yeah, that. Like going on all the time. All the time, literally yeah. all the time. And a lot, a lot of disputes, a lot of battle wars. Every time there's a battle, they lost land and resources right. as an ordeal. Right. So It's their way of getting stuff done. It's just have a war about it. It was bad. Yeah. Um, so tensions have been growing for years and years and years. So groups like the Black Hand fight for freedom of Serbs and Slavs in lands occupied by other powers. Young Bosnia fight for freedom against Austrian occupation. And in 1912, the now Balkan League of Serbia, Bulgaria, Greece, and Montenegro begins the first Balkan war against the Ottomans. Okay. The Ottoman defeat was so complete, the empire lost nearly all of its European territory. Okay. Which is why we don't hear a lot about the Ottoman Empire anymore. A frustrated Bulgaria now turns to Austria-Hungary for support. And an also frustrated Serbia, is forced to give up its Albanian territory as it becomes independent. This causes tensions between Serbia and Austria, who are neighboring places. Right. So at this time, where we start leading into 1914, yeah. uh, 
Austria-Hungary obviously holds a lot of power over Serbia. What? And Serbia does not like it. Okay. Serbia is dreaming of independence and wants to break off, and it's the classic nationalist, revolutionary kind of thing. Right. So, the tensions are building up between these two states. Is Serbia still Serbia? Yeah. Like right now, it's still called Serbia? It's still called Serbia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, my geography is piss poor. Me too. Um, I did French. No, I didn't. I, I did geo and got 100, but... Yeah, I, did, like, I did world history, which we is We had a lot of, like, this. erratics. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was like, this is the rock that a, a glacier left behind. Or, like, this is what happens in a, a agglomerating tendency when, like, stores buy things near other stores. It's, like, not a lot of, like... Land. This country is next to this country. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, tensions are very, very high. Mm. Outside of the tensions being high, each place is now associated with them uh, themselves with a major power within Europe. Right. I made uh, I made reference to the um, the alliance and the Entente. Yes. It's the twenty eighth of June, nineteen fourteen, Sarajevo, Bosnia. <gasps> Seven men. State-sponsored terrorists, they call themselves the Black Gun, a denomination of the Black Hand. I'm going to butcher this now, but Mohamed Mehmed Bersik, Vaso Kubrelikovic, uh, Ned, no, not going to try, Kabrenovic, another gentleman named Popovic, uh, Trifon Grebic, and one Bosniak and five Serbs consecutively, all coordinated by Danilo Ilyik a Bosnian Serb, and a member of the Black Hand Secret Society. What's the Black Hand? It is a nationalist group within Serbia. I'm going to explain this in a second. Yeah, I think I've heard of the Black Hand. You you must have in history. So the Black Hand, they were a secret group of about 2,500 members who were designed to try to find or try to bring Serbia back to power. Okay. They were just a small nationalist group. But like military group, like not like military, more like militia, kind of like secretive, like imagine like Nazi Germany before it got really big. Okay, like the Aryan race, like the one power of Germany. Right, it's that with Serbia, but like twenty five hundred people. Okay, yeah. Um, their target became the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, the heir to the throne of the Austrian Hungary. Empire. Empire. Hungary Empire. In another country, the mastermind behind this plot to assassinate the Archduke is having breakfast. 56-year-old Dragutin Dmitrikevic, who is officially the head of the Serbian military intelligence. Okay. He is unofficially known as the leader of the Black Hand. Dum, dum, dum. The secret nationalist society, which I just explained to you a second ago, has two and a half thousand members with one aim, which is to recreate Greater Serbia once again. Okay. Greater Serbia included Bosnia, now the Austro-Hungarian Empire, rules this province even though most of the population still consider themselves Serbian. Right. It's kind of like imagine Newfoundland during Confederation. We're like we're a confederation, but like half of them are like no by. We yes. didn't want to be L- part of literally half of them, like fifty one to forty nine. Fifty one to forty nine percent. Yeah. Um. So it's like that. Right. Right. Um. So June twenty eighth is called Vid of Dan. It is the holiest day of the Serb Orthodox calendar. 
Okay. In special church services, the Serbs remember the golden age when Bosnia was part of medieval Greater Serbia. They lament the fact that they are now ruled by the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Nineteen-year-old mm. Gavrilo Princip, nineteen, who is dying of tuberculosis. <gasps> he is a man with nothing to lose. What's his name? Gavrilo Princip. Gavriel, no. A Bosnian Serb who was raised by peasants. Six of his nine siblings died in infancy. Gavriel, no. <laughs> his parents were so poor and they could not afford to feed him. Yet they still had to pay punitive taxes imposed by the Austro-Hungarians. Gavriel, no. <laughs> Age 13, a starving Gavrilo was sent to Sarajevo to live with his brother. While he was at school, the empire implements martial law to control the Bosnian Serbs. Disgusted, Princip immersed himself in the new political fear and revolutionary nationalist society. All of his energy, anger, was centered and directed towards one man. The Archduke Franz Ferdinand. But why him? Because he wasn't in charge yet. No, but you'll learn a little bit more. Okay. Princip is determined to be a martyr, knowing that tuberculosis will eventually take his life. He is striving to become the poster boy for a new nationalist Serbia. Oh, no. In fact, he became the instigator of one of the greatest world wars of all time. I mean, there's only two. Hmm. (laughs) So one of them. Yeah. yeah. Way to go, you nothing. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> These are one of the greatest. Like, how many are there? There's two. There's two. Oh, oh. Well. So one of those two. 50%. You couldn't even say the greatest. No. Out of, of two, it's one of the greatest. Not even the greatest. Out <laughs> of two. Um, <laughs> that day, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was coming to Sarajevo to tour the city. He knows that the Serbs resent being ruled by his uncle, the emperor. His family have been victims of political assassination in the past, so today he is taking precautions. Mm. He wears a unique jacket made of a specifically woven fiber. It is reputed to be bulletproof. Convinced he will be okay, Franz Ferdinand was looking forward to winning over the people of Sarajevo. He is hoping that his appearance will inspire loyalty to his restless servants and subjects. I don't know why I said servants. The word is subjects, which is a little bit better, but still not the best word to use. No. He also wants to publicize the fact that he is a reformer when the Archduke inherits the throne from his uncle, and he plans on stopping the oppression of the Serbs Mm. and give them a say on how to actually run their part of the empire. Okay. So he's like, yay, France. Yeah. (laughs) Yay, Franz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not everyone likes him. No. 10 a.m. Franz insisted that he should ride in an open-top vehicle to try to project a good family image with his wife in, the, in his car with him. The day before, the paper actually publicized the Archduke's route throughout the city, saying which way he's going to drive. Mm. The assassins, all seven, take up their positions throughout the path. Each one getting an opportunity to take the life of the Archduke. Mehmed was first up in line. The next were the two two young schoolboys who move into position. Popovic and uh, Krelevic 
、uh, stand opposite each other on one either side of the street.、Mm. They're both armed with bombs. Bombs. Trif Cobra is armed with a revolver and takes a spot a little bit further down the road. In the center, Princip was positioned. Having proved himself a good shot with his pistol, he is stationed there with a gun, ready if all others have failed. If the two other shooters and two bombs fail, there were seven of them. There were seven. Well, he was the last. Princip was the last. He was the second last.、Um, although he supplied all of the weapons, Danilo Ilic was unwilling to take another life.、Mm. So unarmed, he is watching the entire action unfold. I mean, you know better, honestly. Yeah. As the car proceeds, pr- sorry, proceeds to the apple no, key. No, it's Princip. <laughs> <laughs> As the car proceeds to the apple key, Mehmed has the first opportunity to attack. Mehmed's not doing well, is he? No. No. The car passes directly in front of him, but Mehmed. <laughs> oh no! But Mehmed does not act. Nor、oh. does Jeff.、Um, there are still、uh, five assassins. Waiting, he just goes. Ah,、eh, somebody、He's、else. Like next、him. time,、yeah. next on the route, Vaso Kubrilovic, who is like Princip, also dying of tuberculosis.、Mm. With the knowledge he has a terminal illness, he is desperate to go down in history as a martyr for the cause. Yeah. With the car just twenty feet away, he strikes the percussion cap of his grenade and hurls it at the moving car. At the last moment, the archduke sees the bomb coming and raises his arm up to shield his wife. The driver notices this, accelerates, and the grenade bounces off the back of the vehicle. Unfortunately, he had forgotten that the grenade had a ten-second delay. Before waiting to see if his de- his attempt was su- oh my god, before waiting to see if his attempt was successful, he strikes. He sorry, he sticks to his plan. Swallows a vial of cyanide、uh. and then jumps into the river to ensure that he dies. While the bomb explodes, the car is clear of the blast, and the archduke escapes without harm. The next assassins are too stunned to react when the car drives past. Yeah, that makes sense. It just the bomb goes off. They're like, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, the car drives straight past them. Yeah, and the car is probably booking it at this point. Yeah, twelve、yeah. bystanders are injured during this explosion. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, despite his suicide attempt,、uh, Kubrilovic was apprehended. The cyanide he had taken was old and only made him vomit. <laughs> although, although, yeah, he just got super hungover, and also like he could swim to the river did nothing. Although he <laughs> jumped into the river, it was only four inches deep. <laughs> It's like, dude, you had one job. It was a puddle. It was a puddle of his own puke. <laughs> he threw up and it jumped. <laughs> The police come by. He's just trying to swim. It is on puke. Died of tuberculosis. Excuse me, sir. We're gonna have to take you in. <laughs> oh, god, oh god, that's bad. Oh, that's bad. Also, not. But <laughs> he jumped in. It was four inches deep. What kind of river is four inches deep? <laughs> That's not a river. <laughs> That's a 
a small buildup of rainwater. That's like when you wash your car and the water starts running down the road. <laughs> <That is> so- <laughs> like a little bit of soapy's dream. And you're like, oh, look, a river. I'll drown myself. <laughs> I'm wondering, now that I'm reading how stupid it sounds, I wonder if the article meant to say four feet deep. Uh, but even still. Oh, God, I hope it's not a mistake. And even if it is, I don't care. Uh, okay, go on. I'm good. So anyways, he was taken for interrogation. <laughs> and he was useless. Yeah. They're oh, like, God. should we even question him? Mm, probably <laughs> Excuse me, not. sir. <laughs> this is an Advil liquid gel, and that was a puddle. <laughs> Oh, God. God. So the Archduke, after surviving the attempt on his life, Mm. uh, insisted that he should actually go back and visit the people who were injured in the blast. Oh, hang on. He got past everybody. Oh, yeah. uh, What's his other guy's name? Everybody. No, the... Principe. Principe. He didn't shoot either. Nope. Oh, I no. thought you were still going to get... You said the next two people didn't act, but no. next, next everybody didn't act. Everybody panicked. Everybody panicked. Oh. So he ended up... He got back to his headquarters and said, you know what? 12 people were injured. Right. I want to go visit them. Right. Uh, so he went back to the hospital. So it kind of further leads into his old image of trying to be someone for the yeah. people. He's trying to be nice to them, and they just keep trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> so he's. they decide they're going to go try to visit those people. Okay. So across town... In the park, the gang are all still nervous. <laughs> Scoob and the gang. <laughs> They're all still nervous that with one of their members in custody, their role in the <laughs> plot would be revealed at any moment. <laughs> what are we going to do? Puddles McGee is in here. <laughs> yeah, his incompetence is overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. um, at the police station, Kubril... Oh my goodness. Podolsky... <laughs> Was brutally and violently interrogated. Oh, yeah. But he maintains the Black Hand's vow of secrecy. Okay. He insisted on saying that no one but me in Sarajevo knew of this plan. Okay. So about this exact time, Gavril Principe had just finished eating a sandwich at a local cafe. <laughs> and is still standing outside of Sheila's delicate... Uh, Delicatessen? Yeah. Okay. Well done. Great word. Uh, yeah. RuPaul's favorite word. Yeah, so he's just he finished a sandwich. Yeah, just taking it all in and standing outside of Sheila's delicatessen. Yeah, uh, on the corner of Franz Joseph Street, the Imperial Party, now planning to visit the hospital, are now driving down the main street to the Apple Key. But somehow the driver got confused and takes a wrong turn. Mm. A wrong turn that will change the course of history. <gasps> The wrong turn brings the party immediately in front of Gavriel Principe. That stuff is crazy. Completely by chance. Fate has brought the Archduke immediately in the crosshairs of Principe, simply within 10 feet. Oh, my God. When, also in the, like the open-top vehicle. Open-top vehicle. So when one of the ranking officers in the car realize they're going in the wrong direction, he begs the driver to stop. When the driver stops, he tries to change his gear to go in reverse. The gears get jammed, and they are stuck immediately in front of Principe. Principe takes his opportunity. Two shots are fired. One striking his wife in the abdomen. The second strikes the Archduke in the neck. Sophie, he cries, don't die. Live for our children. 
<gasps> Friends, you're such a noble man. For she was pregnant. No! <gasps> Jeff, no! Oh, no. Oh, no. Principe sticks to plan. Cyanide tablet. And swallows cyanide, and then attempts to then shoot himself. Because <laughs> the river dried <laughs> up. Because the now. river dried up. <laughs> he is apprehended before he can get the shot off. Similar to his company, the cyanide was old and did not kill him. By 11.30 a.m., the Archduke and his wife were pronounced dead. Principe was violently interrogated as well, yep. but similarly did not break. Although there were suspicions that Serbia was truly behind the attack, there was no evidence at all. That is. Until Danilo Ilic, the one who was too afraid to take the life. The first the guy. Ones. Yep. He yep. was the fixer. He was the one oh, who kind of... he was of, the one who decided he wasn't going to do anything. No, he no. He watched. was the one who was like, I can't kill people. Right, right, right. He's the one who... The fixer is... Suppl- he supplied the shit. Yeah. He was yeah. the one who was like, you're doing... I'm going to fix you up with all the assets. Right. He was picked up by the police on a tip-off that Principe had actually stayed with him in Sarajevo. Okay. The investigators arrested him. Illich lost his cool and spilled everything, including that the arms that he provided the assassins came from the Serbian government. <gasps> Ooh. This is the smoking gun that the Austrians were looking for. The conspirators were put to trial. Mehmed escaped right before the trials. The Who, two who's s- Maynard again? Mehmed was the one who first, like, he was just one of the one of the guys who was too afraid to right, right. take the shot before the green went off. Yeah, the two schoolboys Kubra Levik and Popovic received sentences of thirteen years and twenty years. Mm. The death penalty could only be applied to those over twenty. Right. So unfortunately, twenty-three-year-old Daniel Iliak was hanged for his part in the plot. Yikes! Cabrono stated in court, "We are not criminals." We are honest people. We wanted to do good, and we shall die for our ideals. He was sentenced to 20 years, but died from tuberculosis within 18 months. Yikes. Principe turned 20 just days after the assassination, and so narrowly escaped the hangman's noose. Oh. He was sentenced to life in prison, but always maintained that he was a freedom fighter, not a criminal. He stated, I suggest you nail me to a cross and burn me alive. My flaming body will be a torch to light my people on their path to freedom. When he died of tuberculosis in April of 1918, four years later, the war was just months from ending. By then, 20 million people were dead, and the whole of Europe was left in political economic turmoil. Oh, God. So that's how the assassination happened. That's wild. Yeah. Wild. Like, that is a great movie. Yeah. So now let's talk about how that then sparked the rest of the war. Please do. So obviously, <clears throat> we have Austria-Hungary and Serbia. Yeah. Those two going head to head. Yeah. So the Austrian-Hungary Archduke was assassinated. They find out it was done by the Serbs. It the was government actually, was involved. The government was involved. Yeah. They Well, it was this one particular guy, this Dmitrykev guy. Yes, but the government It was the head him. of the Black Hand. Yes. He gave the weapons. Yeah. Um, so it may not have been the Serbian government, but it was a member of the government who did it. Yeah. So now... 
Yep. They button heads. So threatened by Serbian ambition in the tumultuous Balkans region of Europe, Austria-Hungary determined that the proper response to the assassination was to prepare for a possible military invasion of Serbia. Yeah. Obviously. After securing the unconditional support of its powerful ally, Germany, Austria-Hungary presented Serbia with a rigid ultimatum on July the 23rd, 1914, demanding, among other things, that all anti-Austrian propaganda within Serbia be suppressed and that Austria-Hungary be allowed to conduct its own investigation into the Archduke's killing. Mm -hmm. Though Serbia effectively accepted all of Austria's demands except for one, the Austrian government broke diplomatic relations with the other country on July the 25th and went ahead with military preparedness measures. Meanwhile, alerted to the impending crisis, Russia, who's Serbia's own mighty superpower, right. began its own initial steps towards its own military mobilization against Austria. Okay. So pretty well what they did is they came, they gave, they said, hey, you, someone killed the Archduke. Yeah. This is what we want, and gave them an irrational list of things, right. knowing that they wouldn't be able to help. Right. They were looking for an excuse uh, to go attack them. Right. And they were like, this is our opportunity. We're going to be right. an irrationalist. If you don't do it, we're going to war. Right. So in the days following, the Austrian break in relations with Serbia, the rest of Europe, including Russia's allies, Britain and France, looked on with trepidation, fearing the imminent outbreak of a Balkans conflict that, if entered into by Russia threatened to explode into a general European war. Mm. The British Foreign Office lobbied its counterparts in Berlin, Paris, and Rome with the idea of an international convention aimed at moderating the conflict. The German government, however, was set against this notion and advised Vienna to go ahead with its plans. On July 28th, 1914, after a decision reached conclusively the day before in response to pressure from Germany for quick action. Apart from Kaiser Wilhelm II, who by some accounts still saw the possibility of a peaceful diplomatic resolution to the conflict, but was outmaneuvered by the more hawkish military and governmental leadership of Germany, Austria-Hungary, um, who then declared war on Serbia. Okay. In response... Russia formally ordered mobilization in the four military districts facing Galicia into common front with the Austro-Hungarian Empire. That night, Austrian artillery, uh, or sorry, artillery divisions initiated a brief, ineffectual bombardment of Belgrade across the Danube River. Okay. On August 1st, after its demands for Russia to halt mobilization met with defiance, Germany declared war on Russia. Russia's allies, France, ordered its own general mobilization that same day. And on August 3rd, France and Germany declared war on each other. The German army's planned invasion of neutral Belgium, announced on August 4th, prompted Britain to declare war on Germany. Oh my God. Thus, in the summer of 1914, the major powers in the Western world, with the exception of the United States and Italy, both of which declared their neutrality, at least for the time being, flung themselves headlong into the First World War. So let me just recap for a second. Germany declares war against Russia. Mm -hmm. France declares war against Germany. Yep. Germany then declares war back on France. And British declare war against Germany. Yep. So Germany's fighting everyone. Nope. Ger but like you're also forgetting Austria, Austria-Hungary. Right. 
Italy, who's right. neutral at this point. Right. Oh, yeah, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. So pretty well what ends up happening is the two little kids get into a fight, Serbia and Austria-Hungary. Yeah. And then all the older brothers start sticking up. Right. Yeah. So then, like, do the the British and the French join forces uh, together? Yep. With Russia? Yep. Against Germany, Austria-Hungary, whatever? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. The war lasted exactly four years, mm-hmm. three months, and 14 days. Okay. The Americans joined World War One after 128 Americans were killed by a German submarine. Oh. In 1915, the British passenger Sip Lustania was sunk by a German submarine. In all, 1,195 passengers, including the 128 Americans, lost their lives. Just like a passenger ship? Uh, like yeah, I a, think not so. Not a military ship? I don't think so, no. Yikes. No wonder. Americans were outraged. Yeah. And put pressure on the U.S. government to enter the war. Yeah. President Woodrow Wilson wanted a peaceful end to the war, but in 1917, when the Germans announced that their submarines would sink any ship that approached Britain, Wilson declared that America would enter the war and restore peace to Europe. The United States entered the war on April 6th, 1917. In 1919, the Treaty of Versailles officially ended World War I. The treaty required that Germany accept full responsibility for causing the war. It required that they make reparations to some allied countries, surrender some of its territory to surrounding countries, surrender its African colonies, and limit the size of its military. The treaty also established the League of Nations to prevent further wars. Mm. Look how well that did. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. The war... Led to 20 million deaths and 21 million wounded. The total number of deaths include 9.7 million military personnel and about 10 million civilians. Wow. The Entente Powers, also known as the Allies, lost about 5.7 million soldiers, while the Central Powers lost about 4 million. The shot that killed Archduke Franz Ferdinand was one that was heard around the world. I'll say... Wow, that's intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, and you think like, especially this week, like sometimes you go like, "What a what a world we're living in!" And Trump, mm. it's like World War times must have been insane. Yeah, like you can't compare anything in modern day life to those. No, like people, people drafted di- people. No, no, people died. Yeah, people starved. Yeah. People were di- like, we're like, we have COVID-19, 200,000 people died in America. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. I just named three people who died of tuberculosis. Yeah. Like, yeah. common. Like, yeah. talk about pandemic and epidemics and just mass death. Yes, it sucks. Famine, and, and, starvation, like, you know, yes. death, war. Like, 100 to 110 years ago. That's not I mean, that long the ago. The other thing, too, is like, there's war all around the world all the time. Yeah, we are fortunate that it's never in Canada. No, and when there is a war, it's like we send troops over, or whatever. But like just World War times, you know, like just yeah. I, you know, from doing the where once they should show its spirit. Like, yep. I know a fair bit about World War One now, and like yep. Newfoundland's involvement specifically. Oh it's yeah, like even that is crazy. Like just like there was a world war, and like that's why it happened. What you just explained, and yet almost nine hundred Newfoundlanders went, and all of them expect sixty four. I think sixty four died and it's like for what like we're uninvolved other than other than that like we are are a um an ally an ally to britain 
Yeah. So we're like, let's go help well, out. Well, we were in a col- at the time we were a colony. A, a colony, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Isn't it so silly, though? I mean, war in general is silly, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy that it's like... Yep. Yeah. But that's how it started. So tensions were growing. Tensions were growing. Yeah. There was power hungry amongst France and Germany. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew that we fought the Germans in World War One, but I didn't realize it was like they were so centralized and like it was, you know, they yep. basically started it. Yeah. And then World War Two was also the Germans. No, literally what it was is the ninth graders all wanted to fight really bad. Yeah. And they were just like wanted to fight over land, fight over yeah. resources. There was an industrial complex happening. Yeah. And what they were just waiting for was for something to happen. Yeah. And their grade four younger brothers yeah. actually got into a fight. Yeah. And they said, I'm gonna stick it from well, I'm gonna stick it for my little brother. I'm yeah. gonna st- and I'm gonna get my friends, and my friends are gonna kick the shit out of your friends. And yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. They were looking for an excuse to fight. They yeah. were like because I, I kind of left out all of the tensions amongst France and Germany. Yes, yeah. All the tensions between. But obviously, they didn't just jump in because. No, they weren't like. Little, because, yeah. You're my friend. No, I'm going to help you. No, it's, yeah. they were looking yeah. for a fight. Yeah. yeah. That was the spark. The catalyst, yeah. Yep. The catalyst, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. But it was the shot that was heard around the world. The assassination, yeah. the blasphemy started by the Serbian government. Wow. Yep crazy but think of it like right now i don't want to put this out into the world but i'm going to put this out in the world sure right now especially in america yeah tensions are very very high yeah right um same thing you have one assassination you have one attempt you have one catalyst it's the straw that breaks the camel's back it's going to be the spark that lights this flame of civil war in america yeah you have someone attempt to take donald trump's life or biden's life yeah like what if like do you know what i mean like there is there is that same level of tension and anguish right now yeah a death an assassination a terrorist attack there's something yeah you have civil unrest you have the next civil war yeah do you know what i mean yep absolutely like it's that it's that level of of uh tension yeah right um i hate to put that out in the world i hope it never happens no no no. but just to put it in perspective of today yeah yeah no i agree yeah it's crazy so i hope you enjoyed this episode uh as always please go to our facebook page our instagram page like share comment let us know what you think um but more importantly please go and rate and review us to wherever you listen to the podcast uh, we want to make sure that people outside of our general listeners get the opportunity to hear us and uh that is how we do it thank you for the send-ins and also the music um <laughs> but uh, you know jeff and i sometimes come up with topics sometimes we like it when we don't have to yeah so if you want to send in a topic if you haven't yet, it's sort of an exciting thing. Yep. You know, we love it when we do one and then somebody says, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing my topic this week. It feels like a personalized episode to you. It is. And in a way, it is that. That's exactly what it so is. So it's like, you know, for free, for the price of a t-shirt, really, you can <laughs> you can get us to do an episode. No, for free. You just send it in and we're happy to do it. So it's info.splainin at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. You got some to do. You got some